is like an escape route. You have to understand this to under get that clue to understand this to make this happen so that you can open the door only to find out that you're in a warehouse full of rooms. Welcome to another episode of the Supply Chain Ambassador Podcast. I am your host, Bruno, helping you navigate the world of supply chain in a fun and engaging way. On today's podcast, I want to explore the world of material management within the public service. To help me with that, please welcome our special guest. Brownwin Geimer is currently the Senior Policy Analyst for the Material Management in the Department of National Defense and Canadian Armed Forces. She has extensive material management experience from operational frontline units up to corporate oversight and coordination. She has completed the Certified Supply Chain Transformation Architect Training and has multiple change initiatives within the National Defense. Welcome, Brownwin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you describe your journey and how you got to your current role? Um, Well, it's quite simple. I I joined the Canadian Armed Forces as a very young person who didn't know what they were doing. I've done operational support. I've done financial support. I've done um, material management. I've done corporate support. So I've had a very varied career, which I'm very lucky about. And that has pretty well brought me to this position where I manage the supply administration manual for the Department of National Defense, which tells the greater community how and why we do certain things in material management. I reference the financial admin administration manual quite a bit in my day-to-day job, so. The financial administration or the supply administration? Both, supply yeah. administration manual and the financial administration manual. This is one of the things that I'm trying to promote very much right now is that we are in one system of record. It's an integrated system of record. Therefore, you can no longer pick and choose which policies you want to follow. You have to follow them all. And we are working very hard to make sure that they're integrated. Okay. Now, I see that you came from a Canadian Armed Forces background. How did you find the transition from the CAF logistics officer to the civilian workforce? Well, for me, I, I because I was being medically released, we knew that I, I was going to have to leave the Canadian Armed Forces. So I was pre-positioned into the position that I have now. I mean, I did go through a normal staffing process and everything else, but because we had that 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 fudge time with my release, um, we were able to get me pre-positioned. So that was pretty easy. I basically took my uniform off one day and was doing the same job I did the day before. But I, I do find that it is a little bit different from the standpoint of in the military world, you have your postings and, and your community and in the civilian world, it's a little bit different, but it was time for me. It was something that I needed to do and I'm grateful that I had that opportunity. What does material management forecasting and planning mean to you? Oh, (laughs) okay. Fundamentally, and this is a soundbite for you, material forecasting and planning is the root of all evil and the road to redemption. Um, It is the lack of doing it very well that puts us at risk for things like overbuys or being stocked out, not having material in the right place at the right time. But when we do it well, then we are able to support our operations. We are able to uh, expend our resources prudently, make sure the material is where it needs to be, when it needs to be in the quantity that we need to have it. Mm -hmm. What are some misconceptions that you have heard about your work? About material management? Yeah. 
that it's easy, that we don't have to pay that much attention to it. It just does itself. It doesn't. Material management is not the poor cousin of procurement, which a lot of people seem to think that it is. Material management is a very intricate and robust field all on its own. I think we do a disservice to ourselves when we don't understand that complexity and value it for what it needs to be. Because without the work that we do, you won't have the material that you need to support operations so that you can continue executing fighting or training as you need to. Uh, and that causes great hiccups, as we see when we do have end up having to do things like high priority requirements, which are expensive. Material management is, is a key activity. As a procurement officer myself, I'm not very exposed to material management side of things. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a gap uh, I'm very uh, excited to, to learn more about and, and, and discover. Well, that's wonderful because in all honesty, procurement is the first point of failure or success for material management. Mm -hmm. Because how you procure the material and the methodologies that you use immediately affect the next things that happen in the material management, how I can recede it, where I can recede it, um, how it becomes valued, which affects the financial statements. It's very integrated. Um, and when procurement officers are more aware of those secondary effects to the activities that they do, we actually create a much better robust and sustainable process. Why is the work that you do so important? Because somebody has to tell people how to do it in an integrated and sustainable way. It's, I'll go back to something I said earlier. It is one system of record, right? So if you don't use that system of record in an integrated and sustainable way, what happens is the information becomes chaotic and you can't make risk-based decisions on the chaotic information. If we have people doing the information the right way or our processes the right way, then it allows us to have good information that tells us where our stuff is, what it's valued at, how many that we have, uh, where we can move it to and from, whether it's uh, shelf life managed, whether it has a, a batch lot requirement, whether it is in maintenance or whether it is blocked or quarantined, because of course, as part of supply chain, we have to be very careful about material that might be counterfeit or suspect, uh, because that's the world, that's the global world that we live in. So there's a whole lot of activities that has to happen. So me as, as the policy analyst or the policy writer of the supply administration manual is understanding end to end business and write it in such a way that people can follow that and understand why they're doing it. What is one thing you enjoy about your work? My boss once asked me if I liked my job and I said, yes, it's like solving a puzzle. And he said, oh, is it like outside in? I said, no, it's like an escape room. You have to understand this to under get that clue to understand this, to make this happen so that you can open the door only to find out that you're in a warehouse full of rooms, right? Because it's never ending. Everything is interconnected. I love that problem solving aspect of, of what I do. So every time something happens and, and, and it comes to me as the business process owner for material management, I need to delve down and I have to understand what happens before, what happens after, how it affects finance, how it affects procurement, how it affects maintenance, how it affects operations. I need to understand that whole 360 degree view of our business in order to make sure that what I create meets what I call the DISC principle. Mm -hmm. Defendable, implementable, integrated, sustainable, and compliable. I really like your uh, escape room reference. And I definitely see that and, 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 you know, trying to understand, trying to uncover the mysteries behind it, but also, uh, yeah, it's very, it's a very rewarding experience. <laughs> it is. I, I'm, I'm very lucky. I actually like my job. A lot of people think that in, in my world, that policy is all about this writing. 
Now the writing is the last 20%. The problem solving, the systems analysis, that whole piece, that's the first 80%. Okay. Right? You are the certified as a supply chain transformation architect. Yes. How has this affected your work? It, it is a tool in my toolbox. It did as I went through that training was learn different approaches for doing that 360 degree point of view. Because again, nothing happens in isolation. You can't make a supply chain or material management decision without understanding how finances work, how procurement works, how the operations work. Now, this course is geared more for industry, so not all of it is completely applicable to what we do, but it is a good way to, to start to think about certain things. What challenges have you faced managing your work portfolio? <laughs> uh, one, I go back to getting people to understand that it's really important. Some people are like, well, you know, it's just easier to go from A to D. Yeah, but by missing steps B and C, you're now creating a second or third order effect. So there's some education. Uh, it can't always be just what is easier. It has to be what enables the entire system. But that's the biggest thing that we're doing right now is, is learning to work in that integrated fashion. Because previously, 10 years ago, we were in a whole bunch of different systems, right? So activities that happened in finance didn't necessarily directly correlate with what was happening in material management or what was happening in maintenance. So people were able to do things and develop processes that worked for their system, but didn't work in an integrated manner. But now that we're using SAP as, as the foundation in, in Dreamus, mm -hmm. We have to make sure that those are integrated processes. So that is creating a bit of a culture change. Yeah. Moving away from working in silos to Absolutely. An enterprise integration system. Yeah. Absolutely. And some of the things that we did to SAP, we're now learning we need to undo to create that integration. <laughs> so how did you overcome these challenges? Honestly, I use a lot of workshops and working groups in order to, I do what I call a map gap and plan. We map the to be process, right? What is it that we should be doing and, and challenge every step of the way? Why are we doing that? How does that affect? And mapping the multiple layers. So what does the procurement officer have to do? What does the finance, what does, how does it impact finance? How is this gonna enable operations and maintenance? And asking all of those questions. So we get an integrated comprehensive process map for that activity. Mm -hmm. Then you do the, so that's the map. Then you do the gap. That's where we should be. Where are we now? Mm -hmm. And then the plan is how do we go from where are we now to how, how do we get there? Do we have to make a systems change. Do I need to make a policy change? Do I need to make a, a, a change to training? Do we have a um, process map that guides people through that? Because in, in the supply administration manual, we also have what we call the enterprise processes, which are like your flow charts. They walk you through it step-by-step step mm -hmm. for each of the main processes. Do we need to update that? Do, we, do I have compliance? Do I have a way of doing compliance for that? Do I have business intelligence and knowledge management type activities that allow us to do, how do we know that we're doing it right? You know, if you don't have reports or a way of validating that you're doing it, so sometimes that's how we have to create that process. And it could be any one or all of those things that need to be amended. Mm -hmm. The map, the gap, and the plan. Map, gap, and plan. <laughs> how can listeners find out more information? Start with the SAM, the Supply Administration Manual. 
Mm-hmm. This is specific to D&D, folks. <laughs> it, is, it is specific to D&D. Most departments have a material management program. Treasury Board Directive on, on the Management of Material is a, is a great, it is the overarching requirement for the policy instrument for material management. But then there will soon be out the guide to material management. And that guide, because I was a contributing writer to it, that guide, the way we have designed it is it walks you through four basic activities and we wrote it in such a way that would allow any department to be able to pull it down and walk through it and go um, these are the types of things that you need to consider now maybe not everything applies to you depending like if you don't have vehicles then you don't have to worry about the vehicle stuff if you have um, mainly consumables you wouldn't have to necessarily worry about the maintenance because you don't maintain consumables because they're consumed and used Um, But what it does is it allows you to go through and go, this applies to me, this applies to me, this applies to me, this applies to me. And then you would have a foundation to build your own material management program to ensure that it was holistic. And you may add things. I mean, nothing can ever be comprehensive to anybody else. No central direction can be, but it would allow you to then take that and then amplify it for your own uses. Those are two really good tools that the directive is already published and the guide should be coming out, my understanding, in the next little bit. Okay, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Me too. Um, Any call to action for listeners? I I think that for everybody, the biggest call to action I have is integrate, 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 is we need to learn that. And integrate, I'm not saying it three, three times just to be repetitive, there's three levels of integration. There's integration of your processes within your own functional authority. So within material management, you need to make sure that your processes work top to bottom, right, within your own field. Then we need to integrate cross-functionally. How does material management and and supply chain management integrate with finance, procurement, maintenance, um, operations, distribution, any of the fields that apply to you? Then you have to ensure that you've integrated things, your enablers, your policy suites, your training, your business intelligence. So it, it's one, two, and three, right? It's it's everybody thinks silos, but we're really a 3D environment and we have to make sure that we're integrated in that 3D environment. The second thing I would say is look beyond the surface. And I go back to that statement I said about, you know, it's just easier if I go from A to D and, you know, and I get what I need but you're not enabling what's happening next, right? And because of that, you cr- we create chaos in the system that in fact makes it more work for the system overall, which makes us less successful at our objectives. So we need to look past that surface level activity and understand what's happening underneath. And the last thing I can say is we need to empower material management. We need to understand that it is a core activity, not a secondary afterthought. Um, Because at the end of the day, we buy that material to actually use in the execution of our operations. And if we're not managing that material properly, we're not able to meet our our departmental mandates, which is deliver on operations. Wow. I think I've learned quite a bit today. Thank you so much, Branwyn. You know, I'm definitely starting to see beyond just my role as a procurement officer, and that's a good thing, yeah. 
Well, exactly. Because I'll give you an example. May I? Do, do yeah. we have time to do that? Absolutely. Okay. So most departments are moving to SAP because um, we're, there's under Treasury Board, there's a digital core project, right? Which means that there's going to be this SAP is going to be the base product for most departments. Um, and then uh, we will certain departments will have to expand. D&D will be one of those because we just have so much material. Um, but for the most part, most departments will be using SAP. So during the procurement process in the MM, the material management module, there is a, a, a box, it's called account assignments. So which account assignment are you picking yeah. for that material? Mm -hmm. What people don't understand is that is a critical point of integration. So you have your requirements people who are telling you we need to have this kind of material. They need to tell the procurement officer that that material is a tangible capital asset, it's a it's inventory, it's project stock, it's a consumable, it's an immediate expense type of item. They need to tell that to the procurement officer. The procurement officer using the MM module would then pick as through this process which account assignment would be charged. A is for uh, assets, um, Blank is for inventory, K is for immediately expensed items, there's P after Q, there's a few others. What happens when you pick that button is it drives a couple of key activities. One, it drives which GL fund you're using, is it a vote five or vote one? Mm -hmm. It also drives whether it is expensed immediately, so the money is just expensed out of the public statements, or it is in fact charged to inventory. Right? It's very important because that affects our public statements and our public accounts. Mm -hmm. Also, when you pick, say, account assignment blank, which is inventory, it then creates the ability to have an advanced shipping notice so that the depot who is now receiving that material knows that it's coming. Right, And then you can do a three-way match between the invoice, the PO, and uh, the documents on hand versus what happens is when you use like account assignment K or you use the FI module to do a procurement activity, it shows up and everybody goes, what's this? They have no documents to receive it against. There's no way to charge it to the financial statements. The money got expensed. So now I have, I have this, this pile of stuff. I have no way to receive it unless I do an unforecasted receipt, which is a very error-prone activity, and that creates chaos down the way. That one activity links the requirement to the procurement, to the finance, to the to the material management. Just that one box. Wow. Holy jeez. I think um, I, I, I have been uh, working in Jimis and familiar, familiarizing myself with those account assignments. And, you know, at first I had no idea what they did. Right. But now after just listening to you explain it to me, uh, I'll be more, definitely take my due diligence and make sure that I, you know, analyze those specific account assignments uh, properly. For D&D, it's all written in the Supply Administration Manual in Chapter okay. 3.1, yeah. Table 215. Okay. Table 3, 250, 3.1. 215, 215. 215. Okay. Yep. Chapter 3.1 in the Supply Administration Manual, and it was co-written with Finance and Procurement. So it is an integrated chapter. I know, it's <laughs> you got to start there. Um, <laughs> it's an integrated chapter that enables all the communities to do the work, which is why I go back to you can't pick and choose your policies. You got to read them all. Wow. <laughs> so I will leave with the quote of the day today, which I found online, which is by Alice Lewis Walton, who was the American heiress to the fortune of Walmart. 
who once said, one of the great responsibilities that I have is to manage my assets wisely so that they create value. And boy, is there value in material management. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Brownwin, and I'm glad uh, we had this discussion. And thank you for enlightening me and our listeners on the possibilities, on the 3D approach, on the map, the gap, the plan, on disk, on just so much more. I can't thank you enough for coming and sitting with me to do this podcast. So <laughs> I hope you had fun as well. I did. Thank you for having me.